Welcome back to another episode of the Millennial Entrepreneur. My name's Sina and I love following journeys of other young entrepreneurs. And in this episode, it's a very, very special one. I spoke to Jordan Schwarzenberger, the manager of The Sidemen, one of the YouTube's biggest collectives of content creators, Europe's largest YouTube collective. Like, that's huge. <laughs> it's an extremely interesting episode to see the behind the scenes of what it goes into creating one of the most successful YouTube collectives on the planet, while also creating their own brands like a vodka, a subscription service, and a chicken brand to offer more to their audience and take them beyond YouTube. This is episode number 97, and I'm telling you, this is probably one of my favorites. I know I say that a lot, but genuinely, this was an incredible episode. I've been following the side men, especially KSI, for a number of years now, and it was amazing to hear what goes beyond, what goes behind growing a brand such as the Sidemen and what goes into it, the work. And so we covered how Jordan personally got into the role as the manager of the Sidemen at such a young age, as well as revealing some behind the scenes when it comes to creating their other brands and businesses, as well as negotiating with brands such as Revolut. And also what's it like to manage the Sidemen on a daily basis and who within the team is more hands-on with the businesses. So who within the Sidemen is more hands-on? and also where he wants to take the Sidemen next, and mentioning some challenges when it comes to managing their colossal brand that people don't necessarily see. An extremely special episode that I can't wait for you guys to listen to. If you're new to the podcast, welcome. Thank you so much for clicking on this episode. It's a very good episode to start on. Uh, and if you do enjoy it, please be sure to give a five-star written review on Apple Podcasts and subscribe wherever you listen because it helps out the podcast so much. And you do not want to miss special episodes like this with Jordan in the future. And we've got some amazing ones lined up in the lead up to episode number 100, which again is a very special episode as well. So yeah, you want to be on the ride. So without further ado, let's jump in. Hey Jordan, how are you my friend? Hey man, I'm very good, thank you. How are you? I'm very, very good. I'm very excited to have you on the podcast, man. This is fairly surreal to me. I've been watching the Sidemen and the before that KSI for years, like years and years. And what they've become now is some colossal brand between themselves as, as the Sidemen. And they're, they're, they're launching all these different side projects and stuff like that. And now talking to you as sort of behind the scenes, the background, like what's what's going on behind the scenes? I would, yeah, it's, it's a very surreal opportunity to be able to see what actually happens and what the thought process that happens behind the scenes when it comes to a brand like the Sidemen. Um, so yeah, welcome to the podcast. This is a very unique episode, Thank I think. Thank you. Thank you so much. And yeah, really excited to get into it all, really. How did you get started in this? It's a very unique role that you've undertaken. Yeah, I mean, so how, how did I get started? So, um, well, so I think it goes back a, a bit, really. I mean, just to preface as well, I think we've, myself, and I'll get into this, but two fans will come at kind of the, not the end point of their journey, but it's really the end of, the chapter that they've had so far, I think we're very fortunate enough to be in a position where I think when we joined them, they were on maybe like nine mil, 10 mil, something like that. They're now up to 15, 16, but they've been doing this for now. This is their ninth year, 10 year next, 10, 10th anniversary next year, which is obviously really exciting. Um, but yeah, we're fortunate enough to come on the end, come on kind of the end, not the end, end, and they're going to go for a lot longer, but sort of the end of one chapter, the start of the next. And I think that's what's, what's brilliant in terms of how I, um, I got to, know the guys and we did as, as arcade um we so we've got three co-founders myself sam and aaron um, myself and aaron worked at ymu uh, which is a management company formerly known as james grant so they look after most of the big people in tv very itv led um rosters where there's some new sort of and exciting up-and-coming people like munio chihuahua amelia de moldenberg france francis uh, yeah francis uh, bourgeois from from tiktok and a bunch of other people as well mm -hmm. american um, yeah i went to an event recently with them and those 
those two people were at the, the same panel together. Yeah. yeah the, the same agency. Yeah, exactly. So, so I was there as chief creative officer for four years and that's what helped with a lot of that sort of future people bringing a lot of the new talent in. And Aaron was over on the business management side to so the sort of county side. We always got, got on really well. We were good friends. Um, and he was always like a, a, an accountant plus manager, accountant plus, I'd say it's like an accountant, but he'd do all of the sort of business strategy and support that almost a manager would and should do. He did that for a lot of his clients. So we got on well and he'd bring me in to talk to his clients about how they could improve on social and build out strategies and, and enhance everything that they were doing. So we stayed close. He then went off to go and manage some TikTokers that he had done business management for. Um, this is when TikTok was just kind of booming and starting pre-lockdown. So um, he went off. And we always stayed close and sort of helped him from afar. Then he ended up meeting Sam. So Sam is our third co-founder, Sam Ewins, who is the, basically I would say he is the creator accountant in the UK. He is number one um, in terms of his roster. He's been doing this for about 10 years, there or thereabouts. He is unbelievably connected. He is like leader in the space. And he sort of pioneered, I think, the YouTube accountancy side, like his business, Starbucks, looks after obviously the Sidemen and people like, yeah, the F2, Jeremy Lynch, Patricia Bright, a huge roster. Um, and so he has been working with the boys for a number of years individually and then also as a group. And so he met Aaron and they ended up speaking. And then we thought, okay, let's all get together. Aaron thought, like, pull me into the conversation too. We all got together as the three. And then we realized very quickly that actually for the Sidemen as a group, there was so much creative potential um, of so many ideas that we came together and thought, hold on, they could do so much here. Um, and it could be amazing fun for everyone involved and, and a lot of what I was doing at YME was strategy brand building you know that sort of forward thinking I guess future proofing for clients that was always the thing um so it was how do we apply that and when Sam was able to have a conversation with them and say look guys like we're coming together um to we, we can come together to form this unit around you um and to support you in this next phase um we got on the call with them ran through a strategy they voted on the ideas that they wanted to do and then they said yep let's do it um so we started off and that was april march april last year 2021 um and then yeah we jumped in and since then it's been amazing fun we've launched three sort of key, key brands with them be it xx vodka which is a vodka brand um sides which is a fried chicken uh, restaurant chain which is now up to 50 to 60 I lose track 50 to 60 sites in the uk ghost kitchen Base and then the one Wembley Box Park, we've got UAE, USA launching, India, and a bunch of other places launching as well. So that um, that's uh, that side. And then Side Plus, which is the membership club, which is a huge community now, amazing um, group, amazing group working on it. And then also an incredible community actually as, part, as a part of it, which is like the premium membership club for the boys, given that extra level of depth into them. Um, you know, we have a podcast on there. We have two other formats. We have giveaways. We have in-person meetups you know, cinema nights, we have all sorts. Um, so those are the three. And then we've also got a number of other projects that I can't speak about um, that are in the pipeline. Uh, I wish I could, as well as a number of partnerships and all sorts, which we're, we're building um, we're building towards. And the aim really being, how do we expand this this Sidemen brand into, you know, and I say this to people all the time, I genuinely believe that the boys are like the, the number one British export of this generation from an entertainment perspective. Nothing I think really comes close in terms of the numbers. Yeah. The ability to connect with people, the the scale of what they're doing. No, I, I fully agree with you. Yeah, yeah. I fully I think agree. One Direction was probably, I always say One Direction is probably the last generation. And I say Simon are what 1D were for yeah. the ends for this generation. So I think um, it's basically giving them their flowers, I say, and helping to establish through all the business side and the back end a structure which helps them maintain that position and then strengthen it for the next generation as well. Um, yeah, it's amazing to see as well for someone that's been watching YouTube for a, a long time, like years. It's been amazing to see the sort of transition from YouTubers who weren't really taken seriously at the beginning to then 
brands working with them directly to now them launching their own brands is a very, very cool transition. And I guess, um, where do you see the next step of, of YouTube and content creation? Yeah, I mean, I think for me, it's, it has to be in this, in this owned space where actually brands, although it can be brilliant when the partnerships are great and right and they work well in so many, so many ways, I think, you know, the reliance on brand deals becomes a ceiling that very quickly you hit when you're growing and you're successful. And I think for a lot of creators, of course, you have to pay the bills through brands. Um, but when you don't, you realize, I think, why are, we, why are we taking this this money from a brand when in reality we could create our own brand that can make 10, 20 times as much as this brand deal? Um, and actually, I think that power which the creators have, you know, create, creators, I think now more than ever, are so cross-platform. There's no longer a one-platform dependence um, where they maybe used to be. I think when things like TikTok start, start properly opening up monetization, we're going to see, hopefully, we all hope we said this with Instagram and didn't really happen, right? But we, we hope a real spike in, in, I guess, yeah, diversification for creators. You know, YouTube is, is again, is, a, is the home, but at the same time, there's opportunities now. Once you have an audience of scale, you can build and, and expand the universe around that. So I think, yeah, the future is in diversification. It has to be. Um, away from individual platforms and into owning your own revenue streams. So you're not ultimately reliant on algorithms in order to pay your bills. Cause that's the trap, which I think becomes very difficult for people to, um, to reconcile with whether that's algorithms in relation to the amount you can generate from views for brands to pay you or algorithms in terms of the ad sensor revenue that you're driving on platform uh, for with YouTube as an example. Of that. I mean, even for me doing this podcast and doing multiple other podcasts, it's not essentially like a scalable thing what's what's scalable i guess if, if you build that audience is to build these different businesses that can do their own thing and i think that's that's the really interesting transition is it's now building these different revenue streams or these different brands that are inherently incredibly scalable so yeah i, I love your answer to that but i think what's very interesting is that so you talk about sort of the sidemen doing it and of course they have this huge audience like absolutely colossal at what stage, I guess, for creators listening right now, like they might be fairly small. When's the right stage to actually be able to, because you talk about future-proofing their content, what, at what stage do they do they think about doing that? Yeah, well, I think, um, I mean, it, it depends on the type of creator, obviously the, the type of content, the relationship they have with their audience is probably the number one. Like, what is actually the relationship and the dynamic they have with their with their audience, I think. For so many creators, they might entertain the audience, but the audience doesn't really know them. How would that then convert? I think that's a problem we have with TikTok, right? Where a lot of creators on that platform, they might have huge numbers because of the personality, because well, because of the videos they're doing, but is there that real personal connection? Can you develop that depth with a 60 second TikTok? Maybe some, of course, when they're talking more and they're, they're more themselves, but when it's slightly more abstract or more um, technical, is there that depth? Will there, will there be a real conversion because people really love you or do they love the content you're making? There's a bit of a difference. So... I think, um, yeah, I think the right time is around when you establish that connection properly with your audience in a way that isn't just for the content, but is around the value either you bring as a person to their lives from an entertainment perspective or the value that you bring in terms of, you know, insight, expertise, whatever it is that your is your niche. Once you have that connection, it's clearly, clearly there. It's about trying to stress test that to see if that will truly convert into something more meaningful. And I think as long as the mindset, which is always the thing for us, is are we adding over and above the amount of value for audiences in relation to the amount we're charging for things or the amount we expect of things. That's always the key. It's like, are we driving so much that we are giving and giving and giving? And of course there are costs to these things. Though these things don't, you know, aren't for free and they don't cost, they, they cost money to, to put on and make. But when a business is delivering real value for an audience, I think that's when, when it sort of shifts and it becomes about, and I think this is the thing for us, offering up more opportunities for access for our audience in different ways, rather than just 
as I think for some creators it could be, is around just how do we make money and, and drive commercial success. I think it has to be around value for the community and adding more touch points, more access points first. And then obviously there's a commercial result if it's good enough. It has to still be good enough. And that's when the, the hard work, I think, that's where it really goes into. That's an amazing answer, Jordan. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for that. I think what's a very interesting point that you made was like, I guess, deciphering, making the difference between the the revenue stream as well as the value that you're bringing to your audience. And I think that is something that is definitely, I mean, it can be overlooked because the money aspect might might overpower the value that you're giving to your audience. I think that's incredibly important for you guys managing the sidemen because you know their audience is very impressionable, but also like they're very big, but also very impressionable. So I guess behind the scenes, how do you make the decisions as to where you want to go next? Because it's a very, very difficult one to to, to do. Like, how do you decide to go down the vodka route? How do you decide to go down the, the fried chicken route? There's so many different, like, different options that they would that, that they could take. And given their audience, they will get some level of result. But it's like, how do you make those decisions? Yeah, well, I think the key, and, and interestingly, it goes back to that first conversation we had with the guys, was around, here. here's a list, as long as you're armed with things that would work, right, and could work. But ultimately, it's what do you guys, what have you always wanted to do? Like what really moves you and goes, it makes you go, you know what? This is why I'm so happy to be doing what I'm doing right now. This is where I want to be doing in the future. Like what moves you and drives you guys? Because ultimately, if they're going to build something and they're going to be behind it creatively, strategically, and they're going to, you know, we're there to operationally drive the business, but they have, they're the ones who are creatively in these things and living and breathing them and ultimately the ambassadors of these things out there. They have to love it. So I think it's about working out from day one, what do you love? And this just goes for any creator. What do you love and what do you really want to do and, and give, let's say, and, and provide for your audience? And then how do you bottle that into a product that you would really own and buy yourself? And I think even from my experience, going back to when I was, at, let's say, a lab Bible or a publisher, um, you know, the, the biggest litmus test is, would you like this post? Would you engage with this piece of content? Would you really, do you think it banks? If you don't think it banks, why would anyone else think it banks? And it has to, it's the exact same thing for IP. It goes for content, it goes for anything. Would you engage with it? And so for both uh, Vodka and um, Fried Chicken, which are the two, it's because the boys love both. Like, you know, they love going out and partying, but they also love food and food's a big part of their life. And as anyone who, who's been following them, they know that chicken is like <laughs> really some of the bonds that we get some go, you know, Nando's of the kind of culture and so on and so forth so fried chicken made a lot of sense strategically also works well because it's the number one selling product around the world so there's a that was secondary really to do they love it and they love it so that was for both and actually if we looked at that table now of, of what they wanted to do those two were the number one and number two respectively that's very interesting that you gave the answer because i thought you were going to be doing it from the, the flip point of view it's like how can we leverage the audience because you can you can break down the audience into demographics, into customer personas and stuff like that, which is kind of traditionally in business what you're what you're meant to be doing. But instead, you did it the other way, where it's like you as creators, what do you actually love to do, and let's let's explore that route. Yeah, it's exactly. very interesting you took that approach. Yeah, well, I think also it's how you drive. You know, everyone talks about being authentic and creating products with it. You know, whenever you're, I guess, if you were to work with an, ag an agency on how to scale your brands as a creator, they might go for okay, well, what what is your audience into, and then how do you you know that they can enjoy but ultimately i think it has to be okay what do you as a creator who ultimately these people following or as part of your community they have an affinity with you and they have an affinity with things that you love and you are a cultural tastemaker in whatever way that might be um, whether you're a, 
fashion influencer or whatever. It has to be something ultimately, first and foremost, then that you will love. And then from there, it's your, something that you will love that you want to share and provide to, to your audience. And of course, with an audience of scale, you're not going to get everybody to love your product, but neither should, should they, right? That's why I think for us, it's about access points. I always come back to this. Whenever I talk about the boys and what we're trying to achieve, it's about touch points and access points to, to different parts of their audience, principally through things that they love first and foremost, not so much around you know, well, how do we, you know, look at the data and try and find a demographic? Because that, I think, becomes very cold and sterile. I think ultimately we want something with soul and with with life and ultimately to feel like it's as it should, that it's as it, you know, as it, as it genuinely is, that they are behind this spiritually, creatively, and they're, they're the ones who want this to go out into the world because they're proud of the product. And that's the same for XX, for Sides, for Side Plus, for everything that we're doing. You know, the boys love it and they are behind it. And because they love it and they're behind it, hopefully then, and I think we've seen it so far, it, it drives results and it works well. I think that definitely shows as like a viewer myself, it's like whenever, not even when they launch their own brands, but when they're working with other brands that they necessarily don't believe in and they're like promoting them. I'm not talking about the side, I'm just talking about YouTube in general. You can definitely see that. Like you can definitely, and it doesn't, it comes across very inauthentic and it comes across very sort of corporate I guess. And it's like, you lose interest in that creator, even though they're like, because I mean, the money must've been pretty good for them to do that. So I completely understand why you're coming in with that approach of like, whatever's, sort of important to them as a creator let's go down that route and try to make it work for their for their audience like the other way around i think um i think it's also you know it's how you get longevity is ultimately because if you're a creator and let's say you're thinking about how can i launch a brand for the sake of launching a brand it's not the case here for us it was like we want to launch these things because we love these things we want to get them out and we have a vision for them cool well let's go and execute on those but these ideas are way they way pre-exist us we you know we're picking up and going hang on guys what, what have you always wanted to do that you know you go you know it'd be amazing if the side men could have their own restaurant or they could have their own drink when they go to the club which was always an image like i would love to go to a club and have a magnum of my own drink like that was always the thing so that's then our like okay that's the spark which then gets everyone excited and moving rather than right how do we try and as we said try and fit this product idea into a specific part of the audience and make it again quite sterile and I think quite cold ultimately with certain youtubers whenever they start a business there's always that underlying feeling of maybe they just started it because the money was right and it's like they're just the face of it but there's loads of people behind the scenes that are doing the work and they're just promoting it on their side they're not doing i guess that much they're just utilizing their audience so i really wanted to ask jordan what is the process of starting a new brand under the umbrella of the sidemen and also how involved each individual member is um as part of the collective so i'm really interested to see like which ones are driving the agendas and um yeah how involved are they yeah i mean they're, you know they're they're as involved as they they can be and they are pretty, they're very involved up front and in, in the creating of the ideas and then on the ongoing business side the aim ultimately is that all of us can can find a structure which is sustainable and can can run itself and then they ultimately become creative directors of the brand and they help to drive ideas and integrations and make sure that it's, it's flowing and moving and they keep it all in check but the business side the operational side the whole you know we're very blessed i think to have an amazing partner with on both sides in excess which is hero brands so hero brands um they are the the brand behind all the business behind german donna kebab which is the fastest growing um fast food chain in the uk as well as um island pokey chopaluna and others and they're across xx and sides across two different parts of their businesses so they are the driving force behind all the operations all of the the kind of the business nuts and bolts and then our role and i say our being the side men us as the management team and then and then i guess all the now the staff and the people who work in it from a marketing creative perspective is to drive the day-to-day creative output social marketing etc to make sure that it, that it works we have two you know two businesses operating 
um, for both of those as separate entities now. They, they have to. So yeah, I think in terms of how involved the boys are, I think they, you know, they have so many brilliant ideas, they creatively drive and are, are there to, to, you know, bring that heat and that source, which is what they do, um, ultimately. And, um, and yeah, and then thankfully, we've got an amazing team behind the scenes who can then execute on a lot of those ideas. Jordan, um, so I've got loads of friends who have built some incredibly big businesses. My, like even us ourselves, like as we're scaling, there are some difficulties that come with scaling businesses. And then you get to a point where, you know, the ultimate goal is to scale and there are challenges that, that sort of come up. So what's very interesting for me is that given you guys are like managing the side men, that it's a, it's a huge business and brand now, but it comes with a, like a lot of unique challenges that other businesses don't have to deal with because the business is very dependent on like a group of people, which in say like Coca-Cola, that's not, a, that's not really a thing, you know, like the, that's very, it's a very unique thing to the businesses of today, I, I guess. So some behind the scenes, like what's it like, like what are the difficulties in managing this brand? Well, I think, um, what are the difficulties? I think there should be, there should be more difficulties than they are, but thankfully I think the boys are so good at coming to a consensus and myself, Sam and Aaron, we've, and all the team, I think we've always found that they're exceptional at making decisions. And it's the thing I think that separates them um, from, I think, well, what most people maybe would expect from a group of, of seven guys under the age of 30, like their ability to make decisions and to have a process is incredibly um, effective. And it allows us to launch three brands within the space of, I think last year it was three brands in like the space of a month or a month and a half with um, Cyplus, Sides and XX or Cyplus, XX and Sides. So I think, um, it, you know, their ability to vote on things, for example, where they always have a full majority vote, um, goes it works incredibly well in order to be quick at decision making um and then yeah i think they they know what they like they know what they don't like and they can be creatively so focused um because they are the experts of what they do that it means that yeah we're we're very privileged because as a creative myself it, it allows me for example um to have very clear a clear guide of okay well what will work for this and how can i then develop and work with the relevant teams behind the scenes to execute on some of those those ideas and those visions that they have what's been the biggest challenge you would say Biggest challenge, I think, is is just the pace of it all. It's, there's so much. I think that's the thing we collectively needed to work out and need to still work it's out. It's unprecedented as well. That's that's the unique thing. It's like you can't look at something else and be like, oh yeah, like we can compare it to this. It's like it's so new and so unique. As you said, like they're the, you could describe like I've I've heard the Simon being described as like the Beatles of today. Like it's that's that's like that's the comparison we're talking. Mm. No, I think uh, and I. I believe that wholeheartedly that there will not be another sidemen like this there will not be another. and i think the way that they have transcended a generation now in the beginning for 10 years that is of a level which you don't get unless you are truly that top level and i think it's funny because the traditional sorry the traditional space hasn't really caught up with that right and i think that's the interesting bit where there will be a moment i know there will be where everyone's like oh hang on a minute like these guys are really really not that they're doing it for validation at all they don't need it but it'll be interesting to see because the numbers and the the hype and the real love for this brand, I've never seen anything like it before. Um, so to, in terms of what you said, what's the biggest challenge right now? Yeah, biggest challenge, yeah. Biggest, yeah, so I think it's, it's about just the amount we're doing. There's no blueprint exactly, as you said. There's nothing that says, I mean, there's, there's people over like in the States with a huge amount of admiration and respect for, you know, Mr. Beast team, for example, Reed and, and the people at Night Media who are like- and That's probably the closest thing, yeah, closest, I would say. Obviously for the US market, but we get a lot, obviously a lot of learnings from them about, about how to- to do and to move at pace and to build at scale um, in this space. But yeah, there's no blueprint, especially in the UK and the culture is very different and so on. So I think it's about how do we, yeah, the challenge is how do we do all of these things we want to do without burning everyone out, including them, um, and making sure that everything is, 
is working and flowing with enough space around it so that everyone can still enjoy life and not be absolutely consumed by these things. And the biggest thing I found um, in order to to work through that challenge is to work with amazing teams and to outsource and to bring JV partners and various different partners across the board to, to help and build because it's probably the biggest learning I've actually found is, is if we want to scale and to move at a pace and scale, we work with the best partners to deliver and to execute all the operational side and all of the, the, the legwork, which is the bit that takes up the time. Um, and that's been an absolute game changer for me personally, but then also I think you know, seeing it now in action, having those teams around these things. I mean, it makes such a difference. I mean, it wouldn't be possible without that. What about you, Jordan, like individually? Like we've talked a lot about the Sidemen and like I, got, I really want to like close the podcast with sort of asking you as, a, as an individual, like what, what drives you? Because you're like, you're incredibly young. You're in a position now where you're driving a brand that's like the likes of, ne- of which has never been seen before. Like what drives you as an individual? You know what? I think what drives me, I love doing things that make people sit up and go, okay, that's really different. It makes me sit up and go, okay, cool. That's, I was not expecting that. So for example, we launched um, a big partnership with Revolut, right? And again, brand deals and brand partnerships are not one, it's not, it's not top on our agenda at all. That's why we're building all our own things. But when the opportunities with Revolut came up, it was, okay, this is different. You've got the biggest, the biggest um, financial super app, it's the terminology, the biggest financial super app in the world. Um, 20 million plus customers, you know, 33 billion valuation, absolutely huge. And they do things very differently and they move in a, in a completely unique way um, to any of the other um, challenges in the space, in the sort of fintech space. And they've come, obviously, we're having this conversation about having, working with the boys on a big ambassadorship for, you know, a long time, making a real statement with this car product that is, um, you know, completely unique. No one's ever done it before in the UK. Um, and again, it's like, okay, that is, that sort of stuff gets me going, okay, that's really cool because it makes you wake up and think, okay, that's different. I wasn't expecting to see something so big work with what most people, a lot of people in the traditional space, especially would say, oh, oh, some creators on online, everyone else knows that they are the biggest group in the UK by some margin, but a lot of people still don't know that. So it's having those partnerships that really make you, make you wake up. And then I also think it's being able to, to write the script a little bit for the space and to be able to do things, which hopefully are very different and make people go okay cool again like like with i guess with side plus or with xx and sides it's, it's making yeah making things that no one's really been able to piece together before in this way in the uk um is really cool um just because creatively for me it's a, such a challenge like can we actually pull this we have these big ideas can we pull this stuff off and I always say if the boys can't do it who, who can right their level is so up here um that it makes it creatively so much fun to work across because it allows you to bring the to come up with these ideas to work with them on various different ideas and then to be able to execute them at the highest level so i think that's the stuff that really gets me going and then also it's working and building structures behind the scenes with the team and you know myself and obviously our, my two co-founders like it's been a dream to work with them they're amazing victor who we brought in as our head of content is unbelievable he's like one of the most talented people i've ever worked with who runs like, the whole content operation for the side men henry our art director jazz and like, we've got so many amazing people now across the team and i love that structuring like how are you bringing coming from a corporate um business before um which had its good things and bad things being a, a very corporate structure but a good corporate structure in a lot of ways bringing some of that that i guess finesse into these structures um and into especially this youtube scene which typically is very anti-corporate I think is also quite nice. How do you get that balance? So yeah, that's a bit of a long answer, but I think those are the things that, yeah, that, that get me, that get me personally quite excited. Do you enjoy being behind the scenes, or do, would you want to be more sort of behind the behind no, the camera? No, no, like in front of the camera. Sorry. No, no, no. No, I love it. I love it. I think um, the main thing for me is like the whole reason, per- on a personal level, that for example, LinkedIn is really important for me. Building, you know, I I can, you know, that's that's great, and I and it it makes 
makes sense and it works but the real reason is because it helps with all the other things and it helps boys ultimately and the brand and the mission that we're building so the big thing for me is yeah i've never really been one for being out there for the sake of being out there personally it's more how can i be out there because it provides new opportunities more people wanting to join us helps to drive a connection with me which helps other people relate to what we're doing and the mission we're building and that ultimately from a strategic perspective is is definitely worth doing but that's kind of the yeah it's a means to an end if that makes sense yeah i'm completely with you on that as i was on a podcast recently where i talked about this i was like because at the beginning I was posting a lot on LinkedIn for sort of external validation. And then that was got to the point where I was like, why am I actually doing this? And now I only sort of post on LinkedIn or apply for awards or whatever like that. If it actually helps my business or like personal brand, which eventually would help my business, if you know what I mean. So I completely get with like, but it's very unique for you because obviously like it's very easy for you to step in front of the camera now. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's, um, I think also the other thing is we're so busy. Like we've got so much stuff we're doing and I've got two babies as well. I've got two and a half year old and a one year old and a wife and all sorts. I think it's it's about making sure that we're doing enough that the personal brand side is, is relevant because it is so important to do. And I've, been, I've known that for, for a few years now that this personal branding stuff is absolutely essential. Like building out, people buy people, right? They don't buy brands and, and sort of faceless entities. So the more you can get yourself out there in a way that is value adding, um, the better. But it's just balancing that within the reality of, okay, we've got like these three, three businesses, a bunch of other things we're looking to launch into the family, everything else. So it's just making sure there's, that there's a balance there. But I do, I do enjoy it. I think the biggest thing I, I love doing with it is like connecting with different people, you know, meet people I've never met before, being able to hopefully help some people who are younger come through because I know there's a, there is a real lack, I think, in this space of people who are helping that next wave and that next generation come up. That's why we're doing this. Yeah, exactly. Business, right? exactly. Yeah. We're doing it. I think it's, it's amazing because there is, there's a severe lack of resources. I didn't know anything about this space and I was relatively clued up on it. Um, so yeah, I think that's, that's the reason for it. If that makes sense. That's a very good answer. So to wrap up the podcast, Jordan, I know so many people listening, um, want to create content already like producing content, obviously a lot smaller than the side men. Like I, I doubt anyone listening is like bigger than them unless like Mr. Beast is listening. Like how, what sort of advice would you have for them to like, to grow, to monetize, to, to diversify different revenue streams? Like, I guess the ultimate advice to wrap up the podcast, what do you have for them? So I would say, what would I say? Um, I would say bring a team, bring a team, get a team, bring a team, get a team, bring great people around you because the only way that you can scale, the only way is if you have people who, can scale while you do the thing that you do best, which is the content creation. So I think having an infrastructure, number one thing, and I think having from my experience over the, over the years, is the big thing that people don't do. They try and do it all themselves or they struggle with relinquishing creative control or freedom. And I think it's relinquishing that control in order to allow you the space to keep smashing it and doing what you're doing on the content side, whilst having people behind the scenes who can deliver for you. And I think also make sure that the alignment is right in terms of compensation, remuneration, it's so important. If you don't get the alignment, the structure, again, some of this corporate stuff, right? Making people really invested in your journey, like why would they stay? It's not just giving somebody like really low salaries and then be like, okay, well, cool. They're on this journey with me forever or like an intern you get for free. And that's his part. It's like, no, invest in these people or give them real alignment from a equity or shares perspective, for example, in the long-term vision of what you're trying to do. Because if you do that, they will work 10 times harder for you and you'll have a much better outcome at the end of the day. Jordan, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. How can people stay in touch with you and what you're getting up to? Wait, firstly, thank you. And, um, and yeah, so I think mainly LinkedIn's um, probably the biggest for me. So that's, yeah, Jordan Schwarzenberg. I, my last name is very long. So maybe just type Jordan Seidman. It'll be 
it should come up or Jordan Arcade Media. Um, yeah, so LinkedIn, LinkedIn is probably the best. I mean, if anyone ever wants to reach out, email me. Uh, my email is Jordan Media or whatever. I'm always happy to hear, to speak to people. And, you know, if anyone needs any advice, whatever, I'm always here. Brilliant. Thank you so much, Jordan, for coming on the podcast. And I'm sure we'll speak very soon. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Millennial Entrepreneur. I hope you enjoyed. I know you did because this is an amazing episode. If you did enjoy, please be sure to give a five-star written review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen. And I am sure if you subscribe, we'll get some amazing guests like this coming in the future. We've got some amazing ones lined up. Uh, Episode 100 especially, very, very special episode. You do not want to miss that. So please do hit the subscribe button. Thank you so much for listening again and I'll catch you in the next one.